Welcome into the Full Tilt Devi Podcast on the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, so that means you have Mr. John Arrington and Andy Starr. Hey, that's us. We're back. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. We are here to talk about the 2023 versus the 2024 class. Uh, at least that's going to be the main crux of the show. And I think it's just because we've talked enough about the 2023 class as a whole. Uh, and so it's time to start transitioning over into the, the 2024 class and also letting people know what they might be trading for, you know, yada, 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 that kind of thing. But I'm very happy to have Andy at ASTARFF on Twitter joining me once again after a brief hiatus last week. How are you doing, buddy? Good to be back. Uh, you and Aaron held it down again last week. Also happy to see that my Twitter handle is correct at the bottom of the screen, finally. Tommy T finally fixed that. A star FF. But um, yes, I think this will be kind of like our farewell to the 2023 class. You know, we're sending them off to the NFL for the other shows to talk about. And um, which is a good thing because I I know I don't know about you, but I'm ha- I'm having some prospect fatigue with these guys. And I know that you see it on Twitter all the time. Like, Oh, is the 2023 class really that good? And I'm glad we're sitting here and like actually breaking it down and talking about it because yes, they are that good. We need to, you know, maybe set our prospect fatigue aside and actually sit down and look at it compared to what we, what we got going on next year. But we'll, we'll hash that out this episode for sure. Yeah, for sure. It, it, I think it's a lot better to do something like this, an exercise like this, where you're not necessarily talking about the players. I'm, we're not going to talk about hip fluidity and and you know like yards per team pass attempt per se, like any of that kind of stuff. We're we're just going to get into more of you know just how good are these classes, like each position group and, and things like that. Because you know last year there was a lot of talk about after the 103, you got to start trading for the 2023 picks. And I said it was wild back then. And I mean, look at the players that you would have missed out missed out on. I mean, I, I got Garrett Wilson at 107 in one league. I'm not saying that's the norm, but I mean, I did. Um, and if that means that it happened in other leagues as well. And that, and I got, not that it necessarily worked out with Jameson Williams, but I, I also got Jameson <laughs> Williams at like 111 in a league. You know, just things like that happen all the time. And that was in a lesser class. That, I mean, I, I liked the players, the, the top end players in the 2022 class, but it was definitely not the 2023 class. Um, and now we're starting to see the same exact kind of posts and on Twitter, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, after the 106, just go ahead and start trading for 2024 picks. It's like, guys, come on. There's so many good players in this class. Uh, but there's also very good players in the 2024 class. But we'll get into that here in a little bit. I just wanted to go ahead and do a brief little intro into what we will be diving into uh, a little bit later. But first, we have just the tiniest little bit of news and notes because there's really not much going on in the uh, the college realm uh, right now. We did have National Signing Day, but everyone already signed. Uh, I think we had like one big name. Um, and honestly, I don't, I'm not even sure that a lot of people even know who he is, unless you're really, really, you know, dive, a, tr- dove a true, <laughs> a true degenerate like us. Yes. Now, if you're a true degenerate. <laughs> I will say like most of the people that I interact with on Twitter are far more degenerate than I am and know, have been following this guy for a long time, but it's Nicolese. I don't even, if, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, Nicolese or Nicolese Harbor. 
Um, I honestly think it's just Nicholas. I, I think it's just one of those things where they wanted a different spelling, but it's just Nicholas Harbor. I'm going to go with that. Let's say Nicholas Harbor. Um, he, yeah, so he he signed to South Carolina, number one athlete in the class, six foot five. Uh, depending on where you look, he's anywhere from 225 to 230 pounds. Um, he is either going, depending on the site, again, like 247 has him list, listed as an edge. Um, Harbor himself, as we discussed earlier, has expressed interest in playing tight end. Um, if that's the case and he does end up playing tight end for South Carolina, um, I think he immediately becomes a top three Debbie tight end for me. And I would honestly listen to arguments for him being the top Debbie tight end and no disrespect to Brock Bowers. Cause I do like the guy as well. But, um, you know, when we talk about tight ends in Debbie or NFL, all we're really looking for is like these big athletic guys. And that's precisely what Harbor is. Like this guy is a track all-star. Um, he's got a confirmed hundred meter time at 10.28 seconds. Um, for reference, Devin Achain, who we all know is a, I believe he was an all American track athlete at Texas A&M. Uh, his personal best was 10.14 seconds in the hundred meter and he's 40 pounds lighter. So Harbor, I think with his frame can easily pack on 25 pounds, which I expect he will, uh, whether he's at tight end or edge. Um, but again, all we care about is big athletic tight ends. And that's exactly what he is. And I don't think it's hyperbole to say he would really be at, on that Kyle Pitts level of prospect early on. So, I mean, some, I don't want to say he's a, you know, a top two second or third round uh, Debbie pick if he becomes a tight end, because, you know, Debbie tight ends are kind of like, you know, why waste your pick on him at this point in time? But, you know, if you're in a deeper league or a league that's, you know, s- several seasons in and it's the Debbie pool's depleted, I'm, I would be taking a shot on him for sure. He's, he's you know, he's a freak athlete who's going to be, if he plays offense, assuming, yeah, he's going to be incredible. At least we think so. I do. <laughs> I I think you're a little crazy talking about putting him over Brock Bowers and stuff like that. I mean, the, the dude is raw I, as hell. I just I, said I, think- I would... I said I would listen to an argument. I'm not saying I would do it. <laughs> I I think I, I get excited. I, I understand that. But I honestly kind of compare it to Jatavian Sanders from last year, where it was kind of a similar situation. Uh, you know, you had a, a defensive player that uh, switched over to tight end, very athletic, uber-athletic, uh, perfect size, all that kind of stuff. I got him. I went back and looked just to see. I got him in my C2C draft at, uh, in the 12th round. Um, now, there, I think there's probably going to be a little more hype on Harbor than than there was on Sanders because, for whatever reason, Sanders just didn't get on the field and all that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, you have a guy that they're super hyped about right now in year one. Um, and I guess that was the same way with Sanders too, but then it just fell off. But, um, you know, I think you'll probably have to take him before that in a C2C league, but... I don't know that I want to take him too much earlier than that because, like I said, dude's just raw as hell. Um, it's it's all athleticism, all speed. And, yes, uh, <laughs> Lucas is correct. If only Rattler wasn't the one throwing it to him, that uh, that would also help. Uh, it's not like South Carolina is all of a sudden going to be this uh, powerhouse or anything like that. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring up JT Sanders because I think, you know, if you're going to – for me, when I say top three – you know, it, it would be JT Sanders, Bowers, and then Harbor, assuming he plays tight end. 
And I think that that is a pretty good comp. They're very similar. Um, obviously, Harbor, I think, is a better athlete. But, um, yeah, the, the situation is very, very similar. I Spoiler alert. I mean, you just completely ruined our 2024 tight end talk later. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, honestly, that was really the only big signing that, that we saw, at least that uh, I know of. Well, Jaden Rashada, too. I mean, we could t- toss that in. He's your Florida Oh, where, where did he end up going? Yeah, he went to Arizona State with uh, Kenny Dillingham. So, yeah, I guess uh, there was talks of him going over there. I think the C to C boys were talking about him staying they further did. west. Yeah, they um, they nailed it. They said Arizona State because I think the only one there right now is Drew Pine, and uh, that's not going to stop anybody. Ian or Jacob Conover from BYU. So, yeah, Rashada could play right off the right out the gate. Now he's not going to be an early signee, but um, you know if he has a good fall camp, he might he might get some playing time at some point during the season. Yeah, that one hurts. I, I finally thought that the Gators were going to have a, a good QB, and then that did not work out. <laughs> your collect your collectives writing checks that can't cash apparently. Yeah, for, for real, <laughs> I, mean, I don't. Well, I, I don't know whose fault it was, uh, but whoever the hell is guaranteeing or offering thirteen million dollars to a college player. Uh, that's probably mistake number one. <laughs> well, yeah, it's. A, I mean, lucky for them, they didn't follow through on that. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, or he better be the savior of the Florida Gators, which obviously at this point we know we'll, he will not be. <laughs> but we do have some uh, Senior Bowl information going on. We have the Senior Bowl this week, and uh, we already have some of the practices. And we, more importantly, I guess, we have the Senior Bowl measurements that have already happened uh, it is nice to so- finally get some of these answers. What size, especially with the running backs, uh, you know, w- what weight are they coming in at? What height are they coming in at? Uh, it, I guess the, the biggest surprise so far, I believe, is uh, was it Mo Ibrahim uh, being like 5'7"? <laughs> I think that was kind of a shock, maybe at least to me. Yeah, no, I got his name written down here. Like that for me, I think that's it. Like for as far as my... You know, it's the last straw, I think, for Mo Ibrahim, uh, for me wanting to any part of him because obviously, you know, he's a super productive college back. Uh, but now we not, we have to leverage that against his size, which five seven. You know, he's I think he's two hundred three pounds, which BMI is good, but he's still really small. But I think he just finished his sixth year out of high school, and package that along with that Achilles injury. I just think there's way too many red flags for me to care about Mo Ibrahim anymore. Um, he might not even get drafted just given that size, um, really, really small for, for an NFL back that, you know, isn't going to be, uh, helping out in the receiving game at all, which he didn't really show that he could do that at Minnesota. So that was, that was the shrine bowl. And the other one that I, that I think was somewhat of a surprise, but not really was Zay flowers coming in at under five, nine and a half. He was just over five, nine. Um, and I know that that's kind of like the, the line of demarcation for like successful wide receivers is, oh, are they five, nine and a half or are taller? And he's, he's under that line. And I know you and I are both like Zay Flowers. And I'm curious to know, one, if, if your model like takes into account height uh, for wide receivers. And if it doesn't, does it affect how you're going to you know, be drafting him in Dynasty this, this year at all? 
So I don't look at BMI for wide receivers. I don't care about that at all. I do use height in a height adjusted speed score. So there will be after the combine, you know, cause I, I basically, I have my pre-draft rankings and then I have my post-draft rankings. I have the combine events in the post-draft rankings. Um, so we won't have any of that kind of stuff just yet, but once he does all of the combine, uh, you know, the 40 and, and everything else, we'll get the height adjusted speed score. And then that will affect his, his final score. Now it's not the end all be all or anything like that. It's just one, one part of an average. So it's not, you know, it's, it's not like if they have a terrible height adjusted speed score or a lower height, height adjusted speed score that it's going to be, Oh, can't draft them now or anything like that. But you know, it could knock them down. If you thought he was wide receiver six in the class, you know, maybe or five, whatever, uh, then, you know, maybe he's wide receiver seven now, something like that. Yeah, that makes, I mean, I get that. Um, I don't, I, you know, he was listed at five ten at Boston college. So to me, it's like, are you really going to get that twisted up over an inch? Um, I, I don't think I am, but you know, the data is out there. Like these smaller receivers don't tend to do as well. So something to think about anyway. Um, yeah, it'll probably, I mean, it'll hurt him more if he, if he's really slow for whatever reason, which I don't think is the case. You know, if, if he goes out and puts up a, you know, a, four seven forty then yeah he, it's it's gonna kill him you know being five nine and and all that but uh you know with the uh, with him probably running in the four fours i'm assuming i really think it's not going to be the end of the world uh for him and you know i don't even know that that's his game or anything like that where he needs the height i mean he, he's obviously proven that he can still high point a ball and do all that kind of good stuff anyway uh, so it's just I've talked about it a million times. I don't care how tall these guys are. I don't care how how much they weigh or anything like that. I, all I care about is how good they are. And to me, he's a quality, good wide receiver. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, so the only other thing with the senior bowl I wanted to touch on anyway was uh, the running backs. For one, I was, I was looking at the running back weigh-ins for the senior bowl. And every one of them is over 200 pounds. Um, and I think that there's, you know, there's no athletic testing at this event. So I don't know how much, you know, lev- weight we should give on these weights. Cause I'm sure they're eating like a big cheeseburger dinner right before they go into way. Cause they know they're not going to have to, you know, run forties at this event. Um, I think the combine might show us a different picture, but I will say that Roshan Johnson, the Texas running back who, Last time we talked about the senior bowl, we brought his name up. He actually came in two inches shorter than Texas has him listed, which I think helps him because he was 6'2", 223. At the senior bowl, he was six feet, 225, which I think that really, you know, is a better mold for an NFL running back. Um, And we've already talked about, you know, he hits all these volume adjusted metrics like Missed tackles force per attempt at 0.5. He's over two breakaway yards per attempt, over one yard per set route run. Um, I think he's going to end up being the steal of the draft. I think there's a chance that he gets day two capital. If, you know, he's just been in the shadow of Bijan Robinson for the last two or three seasons, and that's likely won't be the case in the NFL. So he's a guy that I think is, is going to be a really good value when rookie drafts come around in April, May. 
I don't know, man. There's a lot of people that are starting to hype him. It's not even a, I'm not even saying he's bad or anything like that. I don't believe that, but there's so many people that are talking about Roshan, Roshan, Roshan. I, I don't know that I believe that he will be a value when it's all said and done. And I don't think we acknowledge Voorhees TV. Uh, what's up, buddy? Uh, thanks for watching and listening and all that kind of good stuff. Um, yeah, I, honestly, everyone seemed to measure in pretty damn well. I know that Chase Brown was kind of um, a, a surprise because he was listed, I think, at like 5'9", 200 or 204 or something like that. And he came in at, what, 215, I believe it was. Yeah. So, you know, that's uh, that's a pleasant surprise and, and, you know, something that might bring him up a little bit in the model because, you know, the BMI for wide receivers doesn't matter. BMI for running backs, pretty damn important. <laughs> so it definitely could uh, move him up a little bit. And I know that's another player that a lot of people are hyped for. The other guy I wanted to talk about because he's been getting probably the most hype out of this running back room is Ty J Spears from Tulane. And I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if I see it. You know, I can't speak to how he looks at the senior bowl. I know that guys end up getting their draft capital improved at events like this, but yeah, he had a good season, but if you look at his season, he started out really slow. And then it was really the last three games where like he really picked up his missed tackles forced. Um, he, and again, he played in Tulane, which is obviously not a power five conference. Uh, he did have a good game against USC, which I don't think anyone's going to sit here and tell you that USC is like this run defense powerhouse, but he's just coming in at 204 pounds uh, at five, nine. So a little light for me. Um, if people are, you know, I don't think anyone's hyping him up to be like this three down back or anything. Um, but he definitely is not that. Um, so I don't see the hype on him right now. I think he's a guy that's going to get, you know, progressively hyped up as, as we move along through this process. And I probably won't have any Ty J Spears once we're all said and done. No, not if the hype continues. I saw somebody posting uh, today that he made a cut while he was running and people were losing their minds. And I'm like, <laughs> so he, he did what a running back is supposed to do in a practice. And uh, we're hyping that that is what we're doing. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I saw a few tweets like that. Oh, he made a cut. And then I could, yeah, it was like a, no cut I've ever seen. He made a cut and like gained speed. It's like, you guys, I, I don't understand it sometimes, uh, but you know, those guys are there. I'm sure it's exciting to see these guys in person and they are talented. Like there's no denying it. They're at the senior bowl. So I'm sure like when you're right there and you're on the field and you're watching these guys play, it's probably pretty incredible, but um, yeah, he's not a guy that I'm going to be drafting if he's going in like the mid to late second round. That's for sure. Absolutely. I, I played, uh, arena two football and we had, uh, we had a guy that was on the practice squad for the Cowboys for like three years or something like that. And you think of the practice squad as like the worst players, you know, like in, in the NFL. And I'll tell you what, that guy had more talent in his pinky than than anyone else on that team. Uh, it was it was pretty wild. So you know, even some of these players that might not you know make teams or get drafted or whatever, they're still pretty damn good. Uh, it's it's pretty wild. Just when you you think, oh yeah, they're good, they're good, but man, the even the worst ones are amazing. Yeah, no doubt. Alrighty, why don't we take a quick little break and then when we come back, we will go ahead and, and start comparing the 2023 
against the 2024 class because everyone knows the 2023 class sucks and you know trade all your picks for for 24 do it right now Ooh, what was wow. that? Wow, <laughs> that was some. That was, was some. Like, I was surprised. Great A editing, man. That was. That, that I decided was to nice. switch it up a little bit. Um, somebody's been lazy and is a little behind on his clips, so taking advantage <laughs> of the stuff that Tommy T has queued up for us. I like Amazing. it. I, I, Tommy T did a great job there. All right, so obviously I was being a little uh, blasphemous about uh, the 2023 class, and I don't believe that at all. I, I love the class. But I think we've done a pretty good job of uh, informing you guys of the class and and everybody and all that kind of stuff. We've done rookie mocks. We've talked about the players in depth all season long, all that. Uh, we've, we've also talked about the 2024 players, but I don't know if we've gone into nearly as much depth uh, about that class. And so, you know, I think, you know, and also, like I said, I, I think that a lot of people are talking about possibly trading for these 2024 picks right now. Uh, whether it's just trying to acquire more picks or whether it's sending some of these later uh, 23 picks for a 24 pick. Uh, and I have one example of a guy in one of my leagues. He traded 109, 2023, 109 and 206 for a 24 first. That's expected to be very early. Now that guy also has like seven picks in the first uh, what 18 picks of the 2023 draft. So it's projected to be you know early, but man, if he hits on some of these picks, which once again, it's a great class. Uh, it could definitely switch that up. And all of a sudden you have a, you, know, you just traded the 2023 109 and 206 for the 2024 106 or something like that. And then you're not probably not feeling nearly as good as, as you thought when you, you actually made that trade. So I think that those kind of deals uh, are risky and I would just much rather go get a good player that can gain value now rather than doing that. And uh, the argument is always, Oh, well, but you know, what if you pick one of the bus? Well, don't pick the bus. <laughs> Stop drafting shitty players in the first round and you won't have to worry about that. <laughs> Easier said than done, I think, but well, except for you, you know, not for you. Yeah, if you have Beth, if you have Beth, that's all you need, baby. Uh, you know, don't be like Tommy T and, and draft Sky Moore at 105, and you will be just fine. I traded Peak Sky Moore hype to a good team for the pick that turned into the 102. Ooh, see, I like that. I do like that. I'm not saying that you can't make those kind of deals. I'm just saying that there's probably some risk involved. Um, but enough about that league and everything. Andy, why don't we go ahead and start out with the QBs? How do you feel about the 2000? 23 versus the 24 QBs. Uh, and as far as like, who's the, 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 who has the top quarterback in the draft? Yeah. So I kind of like did tackled this by doing some informal rankings. Um, but so for me, 2023, the top of the class is, is, a, you know, you could take your pick on who you want between the two guys. Personally, I like Bryce young uh, as my QB one. And CJ Stroud right there at QB2. And then for 2024, I think it's the same deal. Like it's kind of a debate 50 50, depending on who you ask. Uh, maybe not 50 50, but whether it's Caleb Williams at USC or Drake May at UNC. 
Um, for me, I think between those two classes, I think 2024 has the better quarterback prospect in Caleb Williams and potentially even Drake may, uh, Bryce young. He has all the talent, all the numbers. He's got the rushing floor that you love to see. Uh, he wasn't really asked to do it at, at Alabama, but I know that he can do it. Um, but Caleb Williams is, is, is a far better athlete. And he has that size that we want to see with an NFL quarterback, which I know that's always been the biggest question mark with Bryce young. You know, he's, we don't know what he's going to come in at, but probably right around six feet. And definitely if he's lucky, he'll be 200 pounds, but it doesn't seem like he will be. Um, so I'm, I don't want to knock Bryce young because I do think he is going to be a good NFL quarterback. I think the way that the NFL is moving, like these smaller undersized players can still be successful. Um, but for me, I think Caleb Williams is probably the better prospect and he's, he's with Lincoln Riley who, you know, nobody can deny that he's, he hasn't spit out NFL quarterback back to back, you know, with, you know, depending on how you feel about Baker Mayfield, at least he was the number one pick. Uh, Jalen Hurts has obviously been great. And Kyler Murray, again, another number one overall pick in the NFL draft. So he's, he's got the coaching there who we know that can develop him. And I just think that if you're going Who's the best at the top between these two classes? I'll take Caleb Williams in the 2024 group. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Honestly, I, I kind of look at it as um, it probably is Caleb Williams just because, A, the hype from everyone. Um, already the Heisman winner. Like you, you talked about the size, the athleticism. There's really not too many question marks. So whereas with C.J. Stroud, you can have question marks of, was he playing with too good of players? You know, like was he was he hyped up because of the scheme? Um, which I guess you can kind of make that for Caleb Williams as well. But um, it Bryce Young has the, the size concerns and all that kind of stuff. So I get that. I don't know that. I mean, I have them all in the same tier. So it's not like I'm. I can agree with you and say that Caleb Williams is the top player. I don't even have him there. I have Drake May, but I also know that that's a hot take. You know, so I'm I, I'm not really arguing that Caleb Williams is the top player. I'm just saying that they're all in the same tier for me. So it really doesn't matter to me. Like, I honestly think that it's pretty much even you have two top QBs in the 2023 class, and then you have two top QBs in the 2024 class and they're not that far apart. Uh, so I would call it equal all, all things, at least those top two, not necessarily the entire class or anything, but, uh, but definitely, you know, but if you want to give it a little bit of a, a little bit of a lean towards 2024. I'm perfectly fine with that as well. Yeah. And I, I should have been more clear too. I think it is closer to equal than it is like the 2024 class having this big gap in talent with their at the top, you know? Um, and then, you know, we're going to get to the depth of the class too, because, you know, for me, 2023, after those first two, who do you have? You got Anthony Richardson, who I think everyone is, aware that he's a super athlete. Um, He kind of improved his passing towards the end of the season. Um, But again, I think most people would consider him a project. Uh, And then Will Levis, who, what can you say about Will Levis that we haven't already said? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Why don't we we let Lucas talk about him? (laughs) There's not enough time on the show for me to get all the comments I have about Will Levis out. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sure he is an awesome person. I r- wish him nothing but success, but there's nothing that I have seen to where people should be taking him over CJ Stroud and Bryce Young or any of the top defensive players in this draft. And there's a lot of them at premium positions. So I don't know. You know, NFL franchises be crazy, man. Nobody, <laughs> nobody knows how to act in a rational way. That's a whole other thing. You're also talking to someone who is a fan of a team that just traded a first and second round pick for a retired coach. So I'm feeling <laughs> really good here, guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say there's talk of like the, the Colts truly trading up to the one oh one to take Will Levis. I don't know that that's going to happen, but you know, when you're looking at these classes, you do have to take in that, that information into your process at some point, because yeah, if Will Levis gets top 10 draft capital, I think you have to take him at least at the end of the first or second beginning of the second in Superflex drafts. At least I, you, I would. You don't have to do that for the, for the listeners. You do not have to do that. I promise you. All right. Well, here here's the thing. You remember that thing I just talked about where I said don't pick the shitty players and you will, and you'll actually you know gain value and all that. That's what we're talking about. I I don't. Yeah. Maybe you know he, he's a little rusty after missing last week. You know you have to give him a little. <laughs> you have to take it with a grain of salt here. Uh, we're gonna get him right back into game shape and he'll be fine here in a little bit. Here's the thing because. Daniel Jones was garbage. Mitchell Trubisky was trash. But both of those guys, if we're just speaking in terms of value, like, and even Daniel Jones, he still has, he's, you still can like trade a first for, or trade Daniel Jones for a first in some places. I think now, once he gets a new well, contract. Now, you, you couldn't last year, you couldn't the year before. No, now, yeah, right. Like he, he gained some value. Um, and, and, and you definitely, there, there's, some credence to your argument where, you know, if he's drafted that early, there's the value game. I hate playing the value game. I just want the best players. I don't want the best value and, and possibly trade them. I I just, it it never seems to work out. Like, I I don't know. It's, it's like you get this thing in your head. Like I'm going to draft Will Levis because everyone's talking about how much they love him And if he gets first round draft capital and all this and all that, and then you you draft them, you skip over uh, Kendra Miller or Josh Downs and you and you draft Will Levis and then you go okay now I'm going to go trade for Josh Downs and they're like oh no I, I really like Josh Downs like I, that's why I drafted him and you're like oh well I'm, now I'm going to go get a 24 first and they're like no it's Will Levis I'm not paying you a 24 first you know it just it never seems to work out like that yeah no you're right because at the end of the day you still have to trade him to to cash in on that value for what it's worth if he gets drafted in the top 10 he's not going to go in the late first people will draft him higher than that. And I thankfully will not have to deal with it um, because the earliest I would probably take him is like two Oh one or two. And if he gets that high draft capital, I'm not, I'm never going to see him. So that's fine. I'm happy to not have any Will Levis. Um, but let me get back on track to like the depth of these classes. So yeah, we got Levis. And after that, it's like, you got head and hooker who is like 30 years old and coming off of a, a blown ACL. Um, but you know, we like the guy. And then there's a few other Tanner McKee. I think he, you know, I don't want to compare him to Davis Mills just because they both went to uh Stanford, but it kind of feels the same. We're like nobody's talking about this guy, and then all of a sudden he'll get drafted in the second round 
unceremoniously. Um, but then you look at the depth of the 2024 QBs. So you got Caleb and May, who we talked about. And then the big one is the big question mark, I think, is Quinn Ewers, who a lot of people were, you know, taking as like the a top five Debbie pick a year ago. Um, is he going to step up and be that third QB in this class? And then I think every year there's always an unknown, you know, is it going to be like Kyle McCord at Ohio state who comes in and has an awesome season and goes pro right away? Or is it going to be a guy we really like in Jalen Daniels, who I think he's got the rushing floor to be an athletic quarterback at the next level. And he's a capable passer, especially on the run. Um, I don't want to say like Aaron Rodgers, but that is the type of player that he is. He's not, he's not Aaron Rodgers, but he, you know, he, it is that similar play style. Um, and then you got like the holdovers like Devin Leary, Sam Hartman. Um, Lucas is mentioning Joe Milton, who <laughs> the guy has a cannon, but man, he couldn't even hold it down. He couldn't beat Cade McNamara at Michigan. They had to chase him out of town. Right. Now, um, I think, I think I'd rather have Nico Iamaleva starting if I was a Tennessee fan personally. Um, but the, yeah, there's the, the holdovers like Penix and Jerkovic. Those guys, one of them could probably pop and be, you know, in the conversation for a first round draft pick, kind of like Kenny Pickett did last year. So if we're looking purely from a depth standpoint, I think 2024 does have 2023 beat for quarterbacks at least. I think it can. I think it has the possibility to do it. I, I don't think that it's there yet. Um, it's just more that we don't have answers on a, on some of these players like a Kyle McCord, um, you know, like a, like obviously a Quinn Ewers, you know, like if we, we have a lot of people that still are in on Quinn Ewers, but yet we, we know that what he did last year isn't going to cut it, you know? So I think that I, I, I agree with you. It definitely can be better. As of right now, just the way that I have things graded, it's very similar. Once again, like it, to the twenty three class, you you have the two top uh, tier one guys, and then no tier two guys, and then you have like two tier three guys, and then a bunch of tier four guys for me, and that's almost exactly like uh, the two thousand twenty three class where you had your Jaden Daniels and your Cameron Rising, and uh, you know your Spencer Rattler, whoever else, you know, like all these Cameron Ward, all these like tier four guys that just aren't really anything amazing, you know, but like could possibly be drafted. Uh, so it feels very similar. Once again, I, I think because you have the ability to be better that I, I would lean the 24 class there, but man, it's the top end talent is the same. And when we're talking QBs to me, the top end talent's the only one that really matter. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's the point that we should all be making with quarterbacks is like a good quarterback class is only going to be two or three players deep anyhow. So once you get to the depth of the class and start talking about your QB six, it really is kind of irrelevant when we're talking from a fantasy standpoint. But you're absolutely right. Like as it stands right now, it's hard to say that 2024 is going to be better. It just could be better. Um, just based on what we know about 2023, which, you know, after the first two guys, I don't think we're really excited about anybody. 
I will say uh, I did a Debbie devotional with Travis May uh, last night and uh, had him on. We were talking about his rookie poll mocks that he does every year. And they had uh, Hendon Hooker at 212. And I absolutely love that. Like, I know you might not be overly excited about Hooker, but man, if you can get a, a possible QB at 212 or somewhere around there, it could be later, depending on the kind of draft capital it gets and all that kind of stuff. Um, but man, Hooker was one of those guys that I think would have been in like a tier two guy in this draft had he stayed healthy. And yet, you know, obviously that didn't work out. But you're you're expecting all these guys to take some time, you know, whether it's Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, if they ever were going to be good, it's going to take time. So why are we going to freak out about Hendon Hooker taking a little bit of time as well to be healthy? Because he has a he has a lot less growing to do. It's just more about being 100 percent healthy and all that kind of stuff. So a uh, little tangent there, but I just love the the ability to get somebody like that that has a shot to be decent at the very least. Um, and we saw how many QBs had to play in the NFL this year. Uh, he could be relevant a lot s- sooner than we actually think. Uh, and if you can get him at like 212, 304, or whatever, uh, I would absolutely love that. Yeah, I agree. And the good thing is, like, he's going to get drafted by a team that's ready for him right now. Like, nobody's going to be reaching for him in the first. Like, if he stayed healthy and won the Heisman or was in the Heisman finalists vote, he may have gotten overdrafted at, you know, to a team that wasn't ready to, to have him be, you know, whether it's because he needed to develop for a season or whatnot, or who knows. But I think now, you know, he's going to, he's got that injury that a team already knows are going to have to rehab it. He's going to go to a team that doesn't need him to be their quarterback right away. Maybe like a, a Detroit lions or something. And I hope for the Detroit lions, Dallas sake, Cowboys, Jerry yeah. Jones talking about they're going to draft the QB every year now. Um, and, you know, maybe Hendon Hooker is going to be the guy. <laughs> right. And so I think that'll be good for his development because he's not going to have any pressure to to go out there and do anything. Uh, not that he would anyhow as like a, you know, unless he did stay healthy and end up being a first round draft pick. But that's definitely not the case now. <laughs> Come on, no, San Francisco I, 49ers. Yeah. Ooh, I do actually kind of like that. I mean, you know, pair him with Trey Lance and and let him beat him out. Brock Purdy? Um, <laughs> well, you saw you saw Purdy uh, has to have Tommy Johns now. So he's is it, is it official? He's done? Uh, oh, he said he was getting second opinions and all that kind of stuff. But uh, as, of yeah. t- as of this morning, it said that he needed – he was re- requiring Tommy John surgeries, uh, surgery. So – it's going yeah. to be like over a year for him, which really sucks. All right. But, Before um, you all move on to running backs, two quick sure. questions for you. One, do we actually think that Brock Purdy is good? I no. think he is. I think he is much better than a, than Mr. Relevant. You know, like he, he should have been drafted earlier, but we also talked about how they, they screwed up the entire QB draft class last year. I mean, they drafted everyone too late. Uh, so, you know, I think if you think about the fact that Matt Corral should have been a first round pick, Sam House should have been at least a second round pick, if not a first round pick as well. Um, and then, you know, sprinkle in the other guys, then Brock Purdy should have been like a fourth round pick, something <laughs> something like that. Uh, so I do think he's better than that. Um, he was my QB four in the class. So it, it, like, it wasn't 
anywhere close to QB one and two, kind of like what we were talking about with these tiers and everything. He was more of like a tier three or, or four player, but he was my QB four in the class, uh, at least pre-draft. So I, I think he is good enough at the very least. He's a quality backup. Um, you know, the people talking about it's all because of, of the scheme and everything. And, and, you know, San Francisco, I don't think that's true, but I also don't think he's, you know, like, the new Tom Brady or anything like that either. <laughs> Fair enough. And then my second question is better prospect, Will Levis or Zach Wilson? I'm trying to be mean here. It, I mean, it, it sounds crazy, uh, but it, it's Zach Wilson easily. Like he, he is the much better prospect. Yeah. He, he actually won games and had stats that mattered in college. At least for my process, that's that, that that's what matters more than, then somebody who turns the ball over like Will Levis does and loses football games. So um, I would take Zach Wilson, but I never liked Zach Wilson either just because of, uh, I didn't think uh, the level of competition was up to snuff at BYU. Um, Also, you know, it's a quarterback. It's uh, it's a difficult position to evaluate. I don't think anyone's ever gotten it right. So um, we're just going to have to keep rolling with the punches and see if we can figure it out at some point. I will say that for uh, for my model, Zach Wilson was one of the most difficult ones because he's an independent or from an independent school at BYU, and I do like conference uh, strength of schedule difficulty adjustments and things like that. And so, with the independent schools, there's not too many of them. You have your BYU, you have your Notre Dame, and you know, a handful of others. Um, it's really difficult to figure out how to properly adjust those those schools. So. I, uh, he was, I mean, Zach Wilson was not even in my top three QBs in that class, but, um, but he wasn't too far behind. He was my QB four. And, but I I think a lot of it has to do with just not knowing how I probably should have paid a little more attention to like their actual strength of schedule and and things like that, because I'm, I'm not used to having to do that because it's just like, Oh, this is the PAC 12. I've done the research on it. Like I know, how to discount the Pac-12 players. I know how to discount the ACC players and so on and so forth. And uh, with the independence, it's not nearly as easy. But that's enough about the QBs. Like you said, they're, they're difficult. Uh, hopefully we'll get some answers with the Quinn Ewers and Kyle McCords and whoever else that we can actually have a couple more guys step in. Cause if you want to talk about a class, I feel like that's when people are like, Oh, this is a good class because we have like three or four QBs that you can actually care about. Um, and so, you know, nothing else could change, but just having like three QBs that are viable instead of two, all of a sudden everyone's like, Oh man, this class is amazing. <laughs> but enough about the QBs. Let's d- dive into the RBs here. I think that this one's a little easier. Actually, I would say a lot easier to, to figure out. Uh, but what do you think about the the top end players here? 23 versus 24. So 2023, I think everybody and their mother is on board with Bijan Robinson being the RB one in this class. And I think, most would say he's, you know, the RB one out of any rookie class for like the last five years, maybe 2017, probably the last time anyone, you know, or maybe Saquon in 2018. Um, so for me, the top end for 2023 is always is, is going to be better than a lot of classes. And there's no exception with 2024. Um, I've, I've been a record that rocket Sanders is my RB one for next year. And, 
Bijan Robinson is, you know, tears ahead of him if you could have him that far ahead. Um, I still have questions with Rocket Sanders. I think he's, um, I, I, I wouldn't say questions, but I think he's really good. Um, I just don't know that he's going to be great. And then after that, you've got Trevion Henderson, who I think a lot of people would still consider their RB1 for the 2024 class. I have him as my RB2 just based on his freshman season, which was incredible. Um, but last year he took a step back. I, you know, is probably injury related. Um, but for me, it, yeah, it's Bijan by miles as far as top end talent for between these two classes. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I will say this year really hurt Trevion because it, he was up there with Bijan for me. Um, obviously not the same size or anything like that, but man, he just, the, the amount of burst that he had in that freshman year and, and the big plays that he was able to break off were truly special. Unfortunately, that did not work out this year. And, you know, people might try to, to write it off, but, you know, I take everything into account for these profiles. And if you can't stay on the field or if you can't play healthy or stay healthy or whatever, like that's part of your prospect profile, you know, as far as I'm concerned. So, I I still like Trevion Henderson, but I I have him in the top tier. You can still see that Bijan is just a, a step ahead at the very least. So I think top end talent, you got to go the 23 class. Not to mention there's question marks about Rocket Sanders. There's question marks about Trevion Henderson, if he can stay healthy and stay on the field and, and all that. So uh, we don't really have too many question marks about Bijan Robinson. And the other thing is, you know, we, I have, uh, I have two other running backs in that top tier in the 23 class. I only have two running backs in the top tier for the 24 class. Uh, it's close beyond that, but uh, I definitely think the top end talent, the 23 class wins out. Yeah. And then for depth, like you were saying, you said three guys in the top tier. I have Bijan in a tier of his own. I, I mean, know that you, you know, your model, probably doesn't delineate how great he is from the rest of the people. It but. does. I just, I, it's, I kind of have like arbitrary cutoffs. And so for, you know, for the different tiers and like he, it's so hard to explain. Like, cause I can tell you he's a 0.678 in the model. You don't know what that means. You know, like I, I know what it means because I stare at it all every day. Um, and then you have Trevion Henderson is a 0.705. That doesn't sound very different from 0.678. But I promise you, it's a huge difference. Like, it's actually a very, very large difference. And then you have, like, a Jameer Gibbs at a 0.71. So, you know, like a little bit step behind that. But still right there, up up there in that, that top tier. So, Bijan technically is in a tier of his own. I just haven't actually, like, labeled it that way. Yeah, okay, I got you. So, yeah, but, but uh, once you get past Bijan, so I've got Jameer Gibbs... And again, these are kind of like informal rankings, but in my top five to six, I feel like there's kind of a flat tier uh, with Kendra Miller, uh, Zach Charbonnet, Zach Evans. And, I've, and I've, I've, I'm starting like Devin Achain. Um, I think that he's going to pack on a little bit of weight uh, once as he prepares for the draft. And I think that's going to be helpful because he's going to, he's going to, you know, test out well athletically. Um so I really think that those five guys um, could, 
you know, all of them could be difference makers immediately in the NFL. Uh, and then, you know, once you get past that, you've got uh, Sean Tucker, who I know a lot of people really like. I've started, uh, you know, I said at the beginning of the season, you know, he might not be as good as we thought just because he's just sort of gets fed the ball there. And um, I tweeted out earlier this season that, or earlier this off season that his backfield mate, LaQuint Allen, who again, doesn't see nearly as much opportunity as, Sean Tucker did, but he outperformed on a per touch basis. Um, so yeah, I have questions about Tucker, but again, he's going to test out great athletically. And then Roshan Johnson, who I just talked about with the um, senior bowl stuff. I think he's going to be up there for me in the top eight. And then after that, you've got Chase Brown, Tank Bigsby, who, you know, he's not, he's not, you know, an elite level talent, like some people are saying, but he's still pretty good for a guy who, you know, might be the outside of the top 10 running backs in this class to think that, you know, he's, he's still in there outside the top 10, but you know, Tank Bigsby is a good prospect still. If you, I, I wouldn't say good, but you know what I'm trying to get at. Like he's, he's decent enough. And then Deuce Robinson. He's, he's not, he's not as terrible as I make him out to be. <laughs> right. Exactly. He, he's, he, he's a part of the class. <laughs> if, if, if you're, if you're looking at an RB 11 in a class and it's tank Bigsby, you, you, right. I think you'd be pretty exactly. excited about that. The um, problem is, is that people aren't drafting him as RB 11. That's right, no, the problem. I, it's not that he's, it's not that he shouldn't be RB 11 or that you shouldn't even be excited about taking him at RB 11. It's that people are taking him at RB four. That's the problem. <laughs> yes. I, and I agree. Um, but just to run through the rest of these guys, you got Deuce Robinson, who obviously, you know, he's got the size concerns. Chris Rodriguez, um, who's a guy that, you know, I might be okay with taking him over a guy like, uh, who was I comparing him the, the uh, earlier to? Um, just, I think he's kind of a big bruiser that I, you know, I might take in the third or fourth round of rookie drafts because he's, he's kind of, oh, I was going to with like Mo Abraham uh, being smaller than, uh, than we expected. I, I, I was thinking I would rather take a chance on a guy like Chris Rodriguez than Mo Abraham. Sure. Um, but then uh, Dwayne McBride and then Ty J Spears and then Izzy Abanaconda, who we haven't really mentioned, but he's still in this other tier of like guys that could be good if they get draft capital or what, who, who knows what happens. Eric Gray, another one, uh, Travis Dye. There's all sorts. They're every, they're all, this class has like 15 running backs who could be good. And I think we have six running backs that I think will be good regardless of what happens. So if we're comparing it to the 2024 class, who we've got the top two we've already talked about. And then I think you've got your tier two guy, Braylon Allen, who I think is kind of by himself there. And then after that, you've got Blake Corum who came back, Donovan Edwards, Devin Neal, and then some holdovers like Jace McClellan, Marshawn Lloyd, who's going to USC. I think he could be good this year. And then kind of like some undersized guys who who might be good, like Devin Maccabee, Bucky Irving, and then like the G5 guys, McCaskill, who was hurt last year, and Rasheen Ali, who's like a six-year senior next year too. So, But really, next year after like Braylon Allen, are we really – I mean, Blake Corum maybe? Are we really – Did you mention Shipley? Oh, right. And then Will Shipley. He's another guy where I'm just like not. Oh, no, all I'm, that I'm not even saying about. I love him or anything. Yeah, but yeah he no. obviously has to be mentioned. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I think after Braylon Allen, though, like 
uh, there's none of these guys that I'm really excited about. Uh, and I'm not even terribly excited about Braylon Allen. I think he's pretty one-dimensional too. So, yeah, it's 2023 by miles for depth. It, Yeah, it's easily. I mean, obviously we know people are going to step forward or take a step forward. That happens every year. We could have five players take a step forward and it would still be the 23 class. Like that's how good it is at running back. And that's why, you know, people are starting to lose their minds about this 23 class. And I'm like, guys, I don't care. Take away every QB. Take away, like, it doesn't matter. It, it's still the 20, the 23 class is just that damn good. Those running backs are so good. I, I kind of got in trouble uh, comparing it to the 2017 class. I'm not saying that that level of top end talent is there, but there's so many good players that, I think it kind of levels out to where it's still going to be like it. Maybe you're not going to have, you know, that Dalvin cook, CMC, Leonard Fournette, uh, Joe Mixon. Like you're not going to have that level per se, but man, it, it, it could be close. It really could be close, honestly. Yeah. It just looks a little different. Like you're not, getting the traditional three down backs, but I don't think that the NFL is using traditional three down backs anymore. So you kind of, I mean, some teams are, but it's, it's becoming a thing kind of the, of the past. So you kind of need to, you know, mold with the times too, and just understand that it, it looks a little different. And all these guys could be, you know, the modern day RB one for fantasy purposes. Um, yeah, like I said, I think I feel like there's six, maybe seven guys that have a, a really legitimate chance to be, uh, you know, starting running backs in the league within the next two years. And beyond that, there's like 12 guys, 12 to 15 even, that could potentially be at least contributors in the NFL. Um, and, you know, contributors can be guys that you can plug and play during bye weeks. So there's just... There's there's so much talent in the 2023 class, and it, it goes on and on for, you know, you're going to be able to get guys that you might be able to, you know, play plug and play in the fourth round in this draft. Oh, I think that's going to easily happen. Um, I have three tier one players in the 23 class and four tier two players uh, for the running backs. So seven top tier players, as far as I'm concerned, uh, in, in that class. And then Going over to the 24 class, we have, uh, let's see, we have one tier one player and two tier two players. Like that's uh, not it. <laughs> that's, that's not comparable as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like I said, they can, players can take forward, uh, take a step forward. I'm not saying that that's, uh, you know, we have junior seasons out of the 23 class versus not junior seasons uh, versus uh, for the 24 class. So it's not really a fair comparison, but I try to give them a little bit of a boost to try to equal it out. And yet we still, uh, we still don't see that. So I think the running backs easily win for the 23 class here. Yeah. And even if you're talking like, Oh, we have the junior seasons outside of like Kendra Miller, who had like the the junior season that really vaulted them into the top five that wasn't already there already? Like Achain was still still great. Yeah, I mean, nobody nobody in the top five. I mean, like a Bonaconda was really the biggest one. Yeah, probably. yeah, right. And he's still not like a top five. But yeah, no, like, no, I, I know he's not a top five. But I'm right, just saying right. like, he's probably the biggest one. Zach Charbonnet. Uh, you know, he he kind of took a step forward. 
Um, uh, I have definitely seen people putting him in, in the top five. I have him right there. I have, I have him at four right now. I have him at six. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's close enough. And, and, and he, he might as well be tied with five. So it's like it, it's you know, with draft capital and, and combine scores and all that kind of stuff. He could probably jump up to four. It really wouldn't be that crazy. So it, yeah, I, I agree with you that, um, or actually, no, he is a five. Cause I was, I, I was still looking at Blake Corm. I, I, you know, it, it, it's still too soon. <laughs> no. uh, Man. Abonaconda is the player that I'm seeing the biggest difference in projected uh, startup value right now. I've seen him go anywhere from the rookie 202 all the way to the 312 or further. Wow. Where are you all targeting him currently? I know it's early. I'm, we I've, very early I've, in the scouting process, but I'll, I'll say he's closer to the 312 than the 202. Um, I don't know. I don't know how far away he is from the 202. I would I would put him at like I would put him at like the 303 would be See, I think I'd, I'd have like him. I think I would have him closer to like late second, like 210, 211, something like that. I mean, I I haven't actually made a draft order just yet uh cuz I'm waiting on on certain things, but yeah, I, I think he would be closer. To, I think he would be in the second for me, at least as of right now. I think he's projected to go in the fourth round, which is about where I expect a lot of these guys to go because there's so many damn running backs um, that, you know, fourth round draft capital isn't going to really scare me off of guys uh, because, you know, like the, the best running backs are only going to get like second round draft capital. You know, it's not that wild of, of a difference there. But uh, yeah, I, I I would love to get him at 312. I can promise you that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I hear you. Like, I'm counting out guys right now. I think there's like 20 guys that I could say for sure right now that I would I would take in front of him. Um, but then after that, I guess it would come down to like draft capital. And yeah, we're not yeah, gonna know what that. that looks. So, like. I mean, yeah, like late late second, early third, something like that is right. is pretty reasonable, I think. For sure. All right, let's go ahead and dive into the wide receivers here. Uh, this might be where it starts getting interesting because if there was a weakness in the 23 class, it's probably wide receiver. Um, and, you know, wait, Andy doesn't have the tight ends on here. I guess we could talk about the tight ends a little bit after that if, if you wanted to. Uh, I, 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 I will we'll dive into them briefly, but you're really just going to be talking about, like, two guys. <laughs> that, yeah, that's it. I, I honestly – I don't even – I don't even have a tight end model uh, for Devi purposes, so it, it'll be tough. But I do have a little bit of knowledge about him. Um, so, yeah, for the wide receivers, we, we're going to start with you know the top end guys. And obviously, we have Jason in this class. And then we, you know, going up against MHJ in the 24 class, uh, I think that's you know, like your top guys. But would you have more players in, in either one of those tiers? Um. I really like Egbuka just because, you know, I, I, I'm more of a production model type person and MHJ and Egbuka grayed out very similarly. If you are just looking at production now, I know, you know, everyone who watches film and, you know, he's a traditional alpha receiver. I, I don't have anything that can delineate that for me. So I, I just take people's word that 
MHJ is is a little bit better than Egbuka, but as it stands, it's just not going to be a guy that I'm going to be drafting at 102 or wherever he's going in, you know, Debbie drafts right now, which is pretty high. Um, and then for the 2023 guys, yeah, it's just been a weird year. Like JSN and Boutte and Quentin Johnson and Addison and Downs, all Josh those guys, Downs, yeah. yeah, all those guys could have just been like. I mean, they Downs, hurt. yeah, literally every hurt. single one of them got hurt except for Boutte, but he was coming off of multiple surgeries because right. of an injury. So it's kind of the same story. Yeah. So it's kind of hard when you do like a, you know, volume based projections and uh, projections based on, you know, stats for an entire season and they're not playing an entire season it makes it a little trickier for what we do. So you know, we can go by what their best season was. And I know JSN had that amazing season as a sophomore, um, kind of propped up by that 300 yard bowl game where he, uh, you know, went up against a backup running back. He still had 1300 other yards though. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's not with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And, and I love that we actually have like actual NFL context now. Like he was the best player on that team, uh, at least production wise like you don't you you know maybe somebody will argue with me that he wasn't but um but yardage wise whatever he was the best player on that team and then Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave both went out and became studs in the NFL so I it's really hard to argue against JSN yeah I think the knock on this class too is like there's not a super big like there's Quentin Johnston who everyone loves like he's this big athletic guy but then, you know, you've got JSN and Downs who are slot specialists. Addison, who's an undersized guy who, um, you know, obviously Bolitnikov winner. Uh, he's probably going to be a first-round draft pick. And then uh, Boutte, who's, again, you know, he's not like a, a a giant or, you know, anything on the outside alpha like that. But he is a super talented route runner, at least from what we saw early on in his career. So it's really tricky to say who has the better top end talent, because if I'm just going with like how I do my gradings, um, I feel like right now it seems like the 2024 class is going to have better top end guys than, than the 2023 class. Um, but I do like Addison. I like downs. Um, I like JSN. Uh, but it's just these guys, you know, they just left a sour taste in my mouth after last season where you just don't know anymore. You're not a hundred percent like you were nine months ago. Yeah. And obviously there there's question marks with JSN with, uh, because of missing the entire season or barely playing the entire season. Um, I, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of difficult with all those injuries and everything, but just the way that I have it in the model, I have JSN as the only top tier, like elite guy uh, in the 23 class. And then I have MHJ and Amika Ibuka as uh, both as top tier or elite guys in the 24 class. So I guess I have to give it to the 24 class there uh, for, for the top guys. It's not that far off. And then you actually have, in the next tier, which are still very, very quality, high-end wide receivers, I have two twenty-three guys and one twenty-four guy, so it kind of evens out. Uh, but I, I think just because you have two elite guys versus one, that you got to go twenty-four there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, 
I think where it starts to, you know, maybe tip the scales towards the 23 guys. And again, we have the benefit of seeing another season with these dudes. So um, you're always going to have more prospects with another season. So uh, guys like Jalen Hyatt, for example, came out of nowhere this year, who he's a guy that I would put in my top six or seven wide receivers now. Um, and then, you know, the guys we already talked about, Quentin Johnson, Downs, Addison, Butte, along with JSN. I think that's a really solid top five group. Like, I, I don't think anyone's going to be mad that they drafted those guys. Um, and then Marvin Mims, I think, is a guy who isn't getting talked enough about enough. He's a guy that, you know, he's really been doing it since he was a freshman at Oklahoma and really had a good season last year. Zay Flowers, who we talked about earlier on in the show. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson, who had a lot of good years at Iowa State. Um, Cedric Tillman, another guy that, you know, was injured this year, but maybe could have stepped forward and, you know, been a top guy in this class. Uh, hearing a lot of love for Parker Washington from Penn State. And then Rasheed Rice, another guy who who just came came up this year. Uh, yeah, John's shaking his head, and I kind of agree with him. I got – like Rasheed Rice is a, a – what is he, a fourth? He's a, he's definitely a senior breakout. He might be a fifth-year breakout at SMU. So I don't – it's it's kind of the same thing with Devontez Walker at Kent State, who's now everyone's saying he's the guy, even though it took him until his senior year at Kent State to do anything. But, yeah, I mean – if you're looking at just pure number of guys who I think are okay, I think 2023 is, is, has more of them. Um, 2024, you know, we've already talked about MHJ and Egbuka. I think Malik neighbors is probably the third guy on your list who, or maybe Xavier worthy. <laughs> uh, both of those guys I think are going to be pretty good. I like Troy Franklin. I think he's a decent prospect. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, I think, is probably going to take a step forward this year. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, like the guys at Washington, Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan. And then there's, a, again, you got holdovers like Jacob Cowing coming back. Isaiah Nayor is going to be back from his injury. And then the G5 guys like uh, Tory Horton, who looked pretty good for Colorado State. Um, and then Ke- Dorian Ke- Singer die. I, I'm getting there. I, Dorian Singer uh, and Dominic Lovett. Sorry. Both of those guys. Um, Aranda Gadsden for Syracuse. I like him too. Yeah. Um, too. Keon Coleman for Michigan State. Um, but, I don't even know so, who that is. Um, so, so as I'm talking myself into it, you know, <laughs> the 2024 class could potentially be pretty deep as well. It just it, these guys are aren't household names yet, but it it's just a matter of uh, oh now Lucas is saying oh McCoy. god, all right Lucas needs to retire. We're we're off the rails now. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're definitely off the. Tennessee rails. basketball lost tonight, and I'm hurting a little bit, so I'm I'm all right. And and, and brew and, and brew, brew McCoy. McCoy. No, thank I you, think, thank you. I appreciate that. No, you. <laughs> Lucas, you should be more excited about Squirrel White. That guy's gonna go off. Next Actually, year. that's that's true. Squirrel White's Squirrel not White. terrible. He's oh my terrible. god, not terrible. Thank you. I, I, I you know what? I'll take that. Good. Compared to your <laughs> other comments you've had about players, I'll take not terrible. He, he it puts him above Trey Lance. I I feel pretty good about that. It actually does put him above Trey Lance. So that is that is pretty quality there. <laughs> 
But yes, I, 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 think... I, I, I failed to mention Dorian Singer. And as I'm like talking myself, I, I still think the top five, like as a, as a whole for 2023 is better than 2024 as it stands right now. Um, and that could obviously change with it once we get another season under the belt for these guys. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty easily the 23 class as far as like the, the depth. Cause like I said, you have Josh Downs, Jordan Addison, uh, Marvin Mims, Quentin Johnson. Like those are our tier two and tier three guys for me. And then we get into the 24 class and <laughs> you have Xavier Worthy as a tier three player. And then we have Malik Neighbors as a tier four player for me. Uh, so, you know, it's just, you're, we have four players in the 24 class and we have what, five or six in the, uh, in the 23 class. And then, you know, getting below that, I, Ja'Cory Brooks, Dorian Singer, like we were talking about, there's just a lot of question marks after that. <laughs> like there's players that I like, you know, you had mentioned, uh, Ronde Gadsden and, um, Dominic Lovett, uh, there, there's even some like players that I've never heard a single person talk about that I have here, <laughs> but I, um, what do you got? <laughs> Let's hear them. Jer- Jeremiah Hunter. Um, oh, I don't know I, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that a real but, player? Uh, it, it, he is. And I, I remember I was, cause he kept popping up out in the model and I'll have to look him up cause I don't remember where he plays, but he kept popping out in the model and I'm like, all right, usually if it's someone I've never heard a single person talk about, then it means like something got screwed up his age or whatever it is. Like something got screwed up and I'll go in and I'll, and I'll triple double and triple check everything. As far as I can tell he's, he was a junior. Like he's obviously going to be a senior now. Um, He, he missed his his freshman year. He he doesn't have any stats. I don't know if it was a, just a red shirt year, if it was a medical red shirt or whatever. And then he didn't do too much at, he was at Cal. Uh, He didn't do too much at Cal in the 21 season. But then this year he had uh, 965 yards, 16 yards per reception, and five touchdowns. But once again, this is at Cal. They won four games. Like their offense wasn't good. Um, they, they threw for 3,000 yards. He had a thousand of it. He had a 33% market share. So he's in tier six. I'm not saying he's great or anything like that. But I, uh, but I, I've just never heard a single person talk about him. And I think that he's at least worth talking about or like having in the mix <laughs> yeah well it's so yeah i didn't really i mean i've now that you mentioned him i kind of you know re- remember the name but um i think the reason that he's been off my radar is because he's going to be a senior next year and there the guy on cal that i really have been paying attention is to is j michael sturdivant who's actually transferring to ucla um, yeah. but he was a true sophomore this year or redshirt freshman i don't know what he wanted to call himself but he had 65 catches, and I think he's a guy that I I would you know invest more capital to into at this point, uh, just based on you know him having that younger breakout age. Which I know people don't like to use the word breakout age anymore, but year out of high school, whatever. Um, he's he's a guy that he's he's doing it earlier, so typically he's got the chance to be an early declare, which I think that does still matter. Yeah, and I have them pretty close, uh, so I don't necessarily disagree. But like I said, I just haven't heard too many people talk about Jeremiah Hunter. Um, he he was probably the biggest surprise. Everyone else is is a bunch of names that you've uh, heard of for the most part. But I I really think we have to give the depth to the twenty three class. And you know now that it, now that we're looking at it, we can say the QVs go to the twenty four class, even though it's really damn close. 
the running backs is smash for the 23 class. And then I think the wide receivers, you might not call it a smash, but I think we got to lean the 23 class at the very least because we have answers on these players right now. And so, uh, and, and even if you wanted to get in the tight ends, I think we honestly have about two quality tight ends in both class that you can say like these guys are going to both, you know, both be very good. And then there's a bunch of question marks after that. We could just call that a tie. I think it's all, when it's all I'm said and done, that. you have to, <laughs> good we don't need to go into too much detail about the, the <laughs> tight ends there um i i think when it's all said and done you got to give it to the 23 class like 23 class yes. is better than the 24 class and so stick that in your pipe and smoke it right <laughs> even even if the 24 class does end up getting the edge with qbs which i think it probably will you're talking about like one extra player in the pool that right that, for the 24 class like the 23 class, you're going to be picking guys in the third round that are going to be starting on your team at some point, uh, which happens every year. But I think you're, there's just going to be more of them in this class than in years past. And even if they were completely tied, if the two classes were exactly the same and we we sat here and broke everything down and we're like, nope, I can't determine who's better or whatever. It's still the 23 class because it's right now. You're getting these players right now. You can get them on your team. They can score points for you. They can do all that. You have to wait an entire year for the 24 class, and that doesn't get talked about enough either. You know, like yes, there's there's some kind of benefits to uh, player or to to picks not getting injured and things like that. Like I get all that, but picks can't really gain value in season, uh, at least not very much. So you know, like. It, it usually happens now, this time of year, where they start gaining value because people are like, oh, my God, uh, you know, Quentin Johnson or whoever. Uh, it, that, so you still have to wait a year for that to happen. And I hate that waiting game. Not to say that you can't make trades with them or anything like that, but I'd much rather take a Garrett Wilson and then have people realize, oh, my God, Garrett Wilson's really good. And then you can go trade him for multiple 23 picks multiple 24 picks, that kind of thing. That's the kind of stuff that I'm looking to do. And that goes back to draft the best players. Don't draft the best values, draft the best players. And then you can go get value later on. Um, I know people say it's easier said than done. I, come, come listen to this guy. And he, and Andy, Andy's right there with me. He, he might not have the model, but dude's really smart. You, you got to listen to Andy too. So make sure you listen to the full Debbie podcast. That's all yes. that matters. All right, Absolutely. so strategy question for you all then, because something you constantly highlighted was the depth of this class. And I really like Israel Bonaconda. I think that he would have been a competitive prospect with both Tyler Algier and, uh, holy cow, I, Rashad White in terms of the two values. And both of those were going in early second last year. For such a class that has this much depth, are you all waiting until after the draft and then packaging them to move up for different players? Or are you selling the picks before you assign a player to them? I'll tell you what, I, I'm not selling too many picks right now. I, no. uh, I'm definitely not. I'm, if anything, I'm I'm trying, the more I research that I do, the, the more I look at this class, I'm trying to get seconds and even early thirds as much as I possibly can. I made a trade. I think I might've even talked about it last week. I, I don't remember now, but um, I made a trade in an orphan that I took over and I traded. Oh God. What can't, Oh, I traded. I, I think I did talk about it. I traded Kenneth Walker for Deandre Swift in two Oh nine. 
And I have Kenneth Walker and DeAndre Swift like back to back in my rankings. That they're in the same tier. I don't really care which one I have, but I got 209. So as far as I'm concerned, I won that trade. Now, Kenneth Walker might blow DeAndre Swift out of the water this year, and then you, you know, you could say I'm an idiot. But I'll still have that 209. And I can I uh going back to that that mock draft that we were talking about last night, Marvin Mims went at 211 in this mock draft. Like I, I love me some Marvin Mims. <laughs> if I can get Marvin Mims at two eleven, uh, I'm winning. So I I think that you can get very high end players still in the mid, possibly even the late second round, and then there's still going to be decent players that are going to fall in the third round because people are going to go take a a Tank Dell or a Tank Bigsby or all of the tanks. Anyone named Tank. <laughs> These players are, these people are going to take them. And, and, and then you're going to actually be able to draft the quality players after that. So go get those second and third round picks. But yeah, to answer your original question, I'm not really trading away any picks right now. Although I might be, I might be moving a, uh, a 103 for a 105 plus or something like that because I have those guys all in the same tier. So I don't really care which player per se that I get. Um, so I might be making those kind of trades where I'm trying to move back in a, in, in a tier if I think that it's worth it, but I'm not going out of my way to trade, uh, trade away picks. Yeah, I co-sign all of that. And we didn't get to talk about Tank Dell with the senior bowl, but he came in at a staggering 5'8", 165 pounds at the weight. So Tank Love indeed. Cool. Yes, <laughs> both both of the players, the the two hundred and eight pound Tank Bigsby and the one hundred and sixty six pound uh, Tank Dell, uh, you know, just giant giant players. Tanks, <laughs> <laughs> tanks. They're just tanks. But all right, so you heard it here first. The two thousand twenty three class is better than the twenty four class. Don't get it confused. Don't let anybody you know convince you otherwise. Because, like I said, even if it was a little bit closer than we're saying. It's still the 23 class. So uh, the, the 23 class is going to be so good. Yes, there's going to be players that miss. There's going to be players that disappoint at the combine or whatever. It's still going to end up being a, a very, very high-end class. And uh, it, it would, I, I, the only thing that we can really say is that we wish Blake Corum was in it because other than that, it, it, it's a, almost a perfect class. Yeah, Blake Corum really would have rounded out these running backs. That's for sure. Um, sad to see him go, but hopefully he can come back strong next year and, uh, you know, improve that 2024 class, which as we talked about is not looking that amazing right now. It is true. The, I, I, I'm much more hyped about the 25 class, uh, for the running backs than I am the 24 class. So, uh, if there was a weakness there, I would probably say the running backs, although, it's hard to call the wide receivers a weakness for the 24 class when you have guys like MHJ and Igbuka, but you know, it definitely falls off uh, pretty quickly uh, after worthy and, and you know, it, a lot more question marks there, but enough about all that. We're running, ran a little bit long today. I don't even think I did any of the reads that I was supposed to do, but you know what? We'll do it next week. So <laughs> Lucas, you have anything uh, before we get out of here? No, great show guys. Uh, just remember I said it last week, I lied. This week, we are returning the fantasy walkabout on Friday night for the live stream, and it will be out on Saturday. 
Uh, if you missed the Tuesday show, they were talking about how to value the mid first round picks in the 2023 rookie drafts or how to draft rookies. If you're already a degenerate and doing rookies included in your startups right now, cause you're a little crazy. Either way, it's still a lot of fun. Make sure you're tuning into those. Make sure you are tuning into uh, Fantasy Points. They still have their promo going on. Make sure you're getting their world-class tools at a fraction of the cost before the Super Bowl. And always go to Underdog. Use promo code FULLTILT, F-U-L-L-T-I-L-T. And they are matching your deposit up to $100. And stay tuned. We have more partnerships coming up. We're really excited to start announcing those sometime in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, lots of fun things. We have giveaways coming up. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button and tuning in every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday for our normally scheduled shows. Absolutely. And if my audio is screwed up again this week, make sure you at Thomas Tipple on Twitter and tell him to stop screwing with the editing on the podcast and stop screwing up my audio. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Gosh. <laughs>